Hello. <laughs> How's it going? Fine. You're doing well? Mm-hmm. Since the two minutes ago I saw you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, well, so I have been doing some reading. And I wanted to share with you some thoughts. Okay. <laughs> um, so I have read the Millionaire Real Estate Agent book quite a few times, mm. as you can see. I know the listeners can't see, but it's pretty beat up. Yeah. For, Lots of dog ears. Yeah. For, let me describe. So it's a, <laughs> it's a um, soft cover. This is a soft cover, yeah. And down by the spine, it's all the way down the whole book, it's twice the size of the of the ends of the pages because there's so many note cards and fold it and just like paper clips and and stuff like that kind of jam down into it it makes it twice as thick at the spine than it is at the end one might say what's wrong with this person uh there's well, it, it's definitely like it looks like you've been carrying it around for years and years and years like it's 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 um Definitely a book that looks like it's been heavily gone over multiple, multiple times. There's different highlighter colors. So like currently I'm using blue, but there's green and orange and pink and red writing and red lines. Yeah. And then what Pat was describing is pretty much the whole book is dog-eared. The entire thing. (laughs) And then some... And when she says dog-eared doesn't mean... um, we're actually dog-eared because she hasn't folded the corners. Oh over. no! Oh, you have? Oh yeah. Oh no! I'm sorry. Yes, she has folded <laughs> over most of the pages. But I was looking at down by the on the spine half of the book, all the way down. There's just a bunch of like Little sticky notes and stuff, kind of jammed in between the pages, making that making it bulbous and two <sighs> looks like about three inches on that side, whereas the dog-eared corners it's about an inch and a half yes so and and i don't 100 percent know what my system was here like uh, obviously the, no it's, it looks like a psychopath <laughs> has been carrying that thing around obviously the the little pieces of paper are their notes on them some of them do <laughs> they're not necessarily related to the book it some is, of them are to-do lists <laughs> it is like somebody who uh it's like looks like a journal of somebody who like invented a rocket ship <laughs> And they kept all of their notes and drawings and and stuff all in this book. Like it, it, it is, um, it does look like a psychopath has been carrying it around. Let me tell you what that is a badge of honor uh-huh. because, um, well, I think that it's just a sign that that it is what this book is. Is it's like a Bible. Yeah. Like if people yeah, are religious, yeah. people yeah. carry their Bible I around, and that's that and is they have all kinds of notes. If and you were a, crazy things yes, going on, if we you were a theologian professor yeah uh for and working on your second doctorate and you are keeping track of everything in one book then that's what it would look like yeah Yeah. but this is and and has always like everybody calls it it's the real estate bible it's how you run and build a successful real estate career so it stands to reason that i've read it many times there's lots of notes lots of highlighters i probably should get a new version so though so that i can like I'm in a different place yeah. than the last time I read well, it, then and so you've got. If you've gone, using a blue highlighter. you ran out of colors. <laughs> <laughs> Once you run out of highlighter colors, you've got to go and get a new copy. Well, what I what I love about this book is, first of all, it's pretty easy to read, and I think that <laughs> we'll we'll, uh, we'll keep going and just pretend like there's not a dog barking in the background. We do record this podcast in our home and we have two two dogs and one 
is who you hear every time. His name is Pistachio, and he has a lot of energy, <laughs> and we love him very much. Um, and he does not care that this is a recording studio. But anyways, this what I love about this book is it is really easy to read, and it starts out with what is the most important thing about building a real estate career. And I don't think you realize it until you're later on down the road, but it really is all about mindset and thinking big. And that's where this book starts. And so I'm rereading the book and I'm using my blue highlighter. And right now I've made it through the first, you know, first couple chapters. And I'm, I wanted to just kind of go over it because it's kind of like book club. Like if we're, if we're in a book club, we're going to talk about what we thought about the book and how we interpret it. And because I've read this so many times and at different times in my career, I feel like now I can kind of look back and it it all has a different meaning. Yeah, and it's like, like, like oh, a, yeah. Like a Pixar movie. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, if only I had really understood that from the beginning. Yeah. And I think that's that's kind of the problem with a lot of stuff you read and, and classes you take and stuff is that you're not sometimes ready for it, but that's okay because you go back and you revisit it and then you are and you fully understand it. And then you can actually do something with it. Mm-hmm. Well, you want to tell people what they're listening to? Well, I was getting there. If you're listening to this podcast. Anybody who's listening. <laughs> anybody listening. out there. Oh, wait. You no, I'm just saying, If you're listening, they're listening. <laughs> well, if you're listening. No. <laughs> when you're listening. No. <laughs> you are listening. Yes. <laughs> we thank you. And I'm Catherine Stelgis. I own a real estate team in the Orlando, Central Florida area. This is my significant other uh, slash sound engineer, producer extraordinaire, Patrick Fatika. Hello. And we love talking about real estate. Well, I do. And then he likes- I love listening. (laughs) He loves listening to it and then making and editing it together. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I don't know how much editing actually happens. None. None. I don't edit. He doesn't cut anything out. This is all live. Because if he did, you wouldn't hear the sound of- dog sparking right. we would cut that out if we wanted to be real pro right <laughs> um but anyways rereading this book so first of all why am i rereading this book because like i said first of all it's it's you never really stop she's a kind of go slowly like you might take a break here and there but you kind of go through it and when you get to the end you just kind of start over it takes a while to get through everything but... well and honestly okay let me let me back up you can see that I haven't read the end chapters mm-hmm. as much. Yeah, the last, the the last, um, I would say fifth of the book. Um, there Not aren't as many. no, no. You don't really see the folded pages or the uh, the dog ears or the the pieces of paper slipped in uh, to keep your place or whatever. Yeah, that's true because and, you haven't gotten there yet. Well, or you're. I've read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More than one time. But but application. But, and and you'll I'll, we'll talk about why that is in in a bit, um. But like it it's broken down really smart in my opinion, because it talks about like it starts with mindset and thinking big, which is the most important part of building a business and and real estate specifically. We talk about that all the time, and then and kind of talks about the myth understandings is what they call them, where there's myths when it comes to what you believe and what's reality and so they kind of go through those and 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 common common myths that you come up with that they that come up so frequently yeah like i'll just give you an example that they can put them in a book yeah and and they interviewed thousands of agents to to build this book 
And so one of the myths is it can't be done in my market. Like a lot of people, it's really easy to say, well, yeah, those people are selling a thousand houses, but that can't be done here. Mm-hmm. And so then they go into, well, that's just a myth. Mm-hmm. And it can, and people do this stuff everywhere and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, you get my point. So they talk they talk about kind of breaking down those myths and, and reshifting your mindset a little bit. And then they talk about the the four stages of a millionaire real estate agent. And this is why the last part of my book is not as read mm-hmm. and dog-eared and highlighted. So the four stages are think a million. That's mm-hmm. that's the first, right? Earn a million. That would be where your GCI is a million dollars. Net a million. That's where the net income is a million dollars. And then the last one is receive a million. That would be where you're passively receiving a million dollars. Okay. Well. Such as like profit share? What does that mean, passive? What do you mean by that? But your real estate business, Uh passively, you've grown it to a seventh level. Oh, I see what you're saying. And you are receiving a million dollars. Without having any clients. Without being in the The business. business, Right. You're out of the business. I see what you're saying. So, and then they've added on to that um, since this book came out to to give a million, like like right. to be able to donate a million dollars, that you have that much income coming in that you can actually give that kind of money back. Right. Um, but anyways, the last section that receive a million, I'm nowhere near that. Yeah. Like I'm nowhere near that in my career, my path. And and so I've read it right. many times because I want to know like the path. So Catherine has a small team mm-hmm. that is being built to be a larger team that's the those are the those are the goals yeah right um but you are nowhere near that passive million where you're basically not taking on clients you have a team of agents and that team is generating the sales like you're not in the business at all at that point if you're if you're truly passively receiving income you're not operating and not just receiving and income, but but generating a million dollars for yourself versus above um, and beyond paying everybody everybody else right it's right. It's, it's passive it's, income yes and that is something again it's 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 always the goal that's like the goal. build out the business to this level that's that's thinking big um, but there's not much I can do at this stage in implementation right, of that. Right. And and I shouldn't say that. That sounds like you can't plan for the future. But I just mean I'm still in this messy middle stage. So a lot more stuff is happening in the models sections right. mm-hmm. where you're talking about how the how and, and who do we need to do these things. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's such a <laughs> it's such a weird looking book. Um but anyways, so the first, I'm just going to kind of go over some things that I've highlighted and that, what they mean. That you think are important. That I think are important. And some of it is, some of it might just be like quotes and things, but things that have helped me along the way and like meant something to me when mm-hmm. I read it the last, you know, the first time. Is that okay? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have your permission? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so... Literally page one. No, it's not. It's not page one. Wait, wait. Can you can you get through the prologue so, to the actual first page of the first chapter and tell me how far down before there's a highlight or note? Okay. On page one. 
Well, so it's now it's, skip the prologue. No, no, it's part of the preface is important. <laughs> oh, so okay, so we haven't even made it to page one. It's not. Page and she she's she's before page one. They're not even numbered, and she's already got stuff highlighted. Okay. Okay. So wait, let, I want to see. Turn the book around. Let me see. Okay, so first page of the preface has two highlights. Has two highlights. The first highlight being about the sixth line down. <laughs> Okay. So uh, buckle in. <laughs> okay. But here hear me out. I'm going to tell you why it's highlighted because I don't know that I highlighted that the first time I read this. Well, book. what color is it? It's green, but I don't know <laughs> when. We don't know which was which. I don't yeah, I don't know what was what the color? first highlight color, right. okay. okay? But all I know is that when when I read this, it it's something that is always in my mind. And it's because of this this story that's told in the book. And I'm not going to like reinterpret the whole story. But um, but the line is to have a better chance of hitting the target, aim high. Mm-hmm. That's the quote. Yeah. Okay. Which is what you do. Every think, time yeah, it's I like, set goals. It's like skeet shooting. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't aim below the target because by the time the bullet like, gets <laughs> there, it goes, the target's it's going to be gone. Yeah. So you got to aim above it. And this is in reference to um, a, a guy shooting in, like livestock um, or there's livestock involved and there's wolves and shooting. Okay. That's the, the story. Um, I like mine better, but go ahead. <laughs> but that I have every time I sit down to set goals, I remind myself of that line. Mm-hmm. And I think there's like sometimes people have a natural tendency to just um, set goals higher than the number. And I'm not sure if I did that before I read this book or if this is just always stuck in my brain, but it certainly does now. And so when we set goals, it's like, yeah, you add up what you think you can accomplish. Sure. But I want to make sure that we get as close to that as we can. Mm -hmm. So it makes total sense that you would actually aim with a higher number. And it kind of, this trickles down to so many different tools and things that, that we talk about. Yeah, whether it's setting appointments or what or sales or what whatever it is, you always give yourself. Well, I'll give you an example. So, like we probably not recently because if you listen to our last podcast, um, Pat and I just got married, and so I was talking about balance in life and everything, and so I've been off track a little bit because that happens sometimes, and um, trying to balance all the things, but. We used to do this uh, half halftime check-in, and I know a lot of teams do it as well. And the whole idea is that you're you're actually trying to get ahead. Like, let's say you want to set, I'm just going to make up a random number. Let's say you want to set 10 appointments in a month. Then by the halfway point, you would need to set five, right? Mm-hmm. But why would you do that to yourself, right? Like if, because then even if you did set five, you're still got another two weeks and you've got to set another five. Like why wouldn't you actually break down your, your goals and your calls and your dials to be at six or seven by the halfway point? Because then you're more likely to actually have hit five or six. Mm-hmm. And so it shows up in all of the, the things that we do where we're like, okay, well, yeah, we, we want to sell this many houses, but like the reality is that we probably could do more. And so we need to stretch ourselves a little bit. And by stretching ourselves a little bit, we actually will probably at least at a minimum hit the goal. Hit the goal. Right. And so it just shows up every, every day when I think about goal setting and it's on page one. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> so there we are. Um, but anyways, so as you get into outside of the preface, okay, the it's it starts to talk about thinking big and that mindset. I'm going to skip over the myth understandings because, um, well, they're just easy to read through and you should go get this book if you don't already have it. And if you do have it, I think it's just a good idea to read it at least once a year. But sometimes I'll just read like one section mm-hmm. if I want to focus on like, okay, I need to get my budgeting skills at a higher level. Then I can just go read the budget model. Mm-hmm. So it's it's broken down nicely. Um, but th- this is this is another line that I think you'll appreciate, Pat. It says, you probably already have or know everything you need to be successful. Mm-hmm. So like we all go and we attend classes and we, we do all of these things, but you probably already know everything you really need to hit your goals. Yeah, I think that's a good way to kind of, it kind of pulls this, the, this knowledge rug out from under you where you feel like, well, I have to know everything about this. I need to know every school district. And I need to know every where everything in the these neighborhoods are. And I need to know everything about how a roof is put on. And I need to know what kind of air conditioner this is. And I need to know I, I need I need to go to these inspections and learn about all of this stuff before I can X. Can I tell and, you something? And none of that is true. So the other day, and I th- I don't think my team would mind me sharing this. The other day we were doing a volunteer thing in the morning and um, picking up trash around a neighborhood. Uh, near our office and um for earth day mm-hmm. so it was earth day and we were just walking around talking and one of my team members um was kind of filling in for me while I was gone when we went on our honey mini honeymoon mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh getting married and stuff and she was filling in for me in in areas and things that she doesn't normally do so she was outside of her comfort zone a little bit but things she had done before and had been trained on and she was just talking about like just the the things that she's worried about in those situations. And then she asked another team member, like, hey, if you were ever to get into sales, so this is an admin person, if you're ever to get in sales, like what would be your biggest fear? And the other team member said she thought she would be afraid of um, contracts and getting them wrong. And I laughed and I was like, you guys, that's the easiest part. Yeah, it's the same one. Every single it's just time, fill in the blank and with with lines on it that you fill out. It's like you and and it's not information you have to have figured out because your seller slash buyer is going to tell you what the number is. <laughs> that right? It's like and you just have to know what conveys and what doesn't. It's the it is just fill in the blank, and people get paralyzed by the fear of yeah. these the simplest things because it's a little bit scary, a little bit unknown. And they're afraid they're going to make a mistake. And so they just don't take action and or do anything. And the reality is that if you took a basic real estate class, you know how to fill in those lines. Yeah. And by the way, that's not the job. Right. right, right. <laughs> like that. What, so what, what, the job is that's that's one one hundredth of what you're supposed to be doing. Um, that is the easiest thing in the world that you shouldn't be afraid of. Um, I do think that that kind of stems from, you know, when, if you're not in the business, you say they're admin, it's like they haven't been, they haven't had to um, do the 
the difficult thing of conversion, which is which is the hard part mm-hmm. of the job, right? Um, if you, then it would be like, oh, I fill these contracts out all day, because that's if that's the easiest thing, and it's not even part of the job, really. Like it's it's just like a, a, a some one of the many chores that yeah. you have to do, but it's not the job. Well, so there's there's a, an, another quote in here that kind of ties into what we're talking about, and I I think I've seen it happen. I know I've seen it happen way too much where we make these simple things so overcomplicated <laughs> and and it in something so simple turns into this all day affair where like things just get out of control for no reason. And so there's a quote in here by um, somebody that does jazz and um, it says making the simple complicated is commonplace. Making the complicated simple, awesome, awesomely simple. That's creativity. Mm. And so I, I, I think like, again, as I talked about in the last episode, I'm, I'm, I'm in sort of this restructuring, rebuilding, fixing, cleaning up phase of my business where I've noticed that things are just a mess and I've let that happen for too long and I've got to get control over it. And, and the biggest part of that is things are over complicated. Yeah. The, these things do not need to be 20 steps long to do one thing, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think, but I think that's what we, we do. And I don't know why, like there's like some a, sort of subconscious thing is like to feel your worth. You got to make it 20 steps long. Maybe. I think it's that it's, I think it's um, trying to prepare for things to be organized without understanding the big picture. Does that make sense? Yeah, sorry, I was drinking water. It's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I like how uh, to, if you take somebody who doesn't know how to organize a stock room, right? You're working in a shoe store, and there's all those shoes back there, and you've it's your first day, and you've never been in there before, and you don't know anything about anything. And somebody says, "Hey, go organize the stock room." You're like, "Do I do this by color? Do I do this by brand? Do I do this by size?" How do I do this? And it's like, so that, so you start organizing them in a bunch of different ways and it just makes it a big confusing mess. Oh, and I've done that before. You know what I mean? It's like that, that kind of. I have 100% like tried to organize files like on my computer and I'm like, okay, it makes sense to do it this way. And then you start organizing. You're like, you know what? I should, I should organize this way. And it's like, oh my God. Right. That's, I'm going but in that, I, I mean, that's kind of what happens. And then you've got, and I've seen this with Think Lou B because I have access to drive <laughs> Where it's like there's a folder and inside that folder are five folders and inside each one of those are three more folders and then each side, inside each one of those are single files. Don't and it's like, get what? me started. Okay. So, um, so, but that's what kind of what we're talking about to a, to a certain extent. And, and literally like we're not even on page like two or three and it's yeah. already telling you what the secret to success on in operations yeah. and sales. Actually, I would say for your entire business, the secret to everything is to make things less complicated. And right, and with the intention of all of this is organized and you know how everything has a has a plan, right? We're not saying 
oh, just make it simple. Just don't have a plan for anything or have systems or anything. It's to, how do you make these systems? And this is kind of what we're, we've been working on for the last six months and are going to continue to work on is how do you streamline these and pull out the steps that aren't needed and add the new steps that actually save you time down the road for some, on another system and get it. And, and not just that, but also with conversations so one of the things that we've been talking about as a team a lot lately is clear, concise communication. Mm-hmm. Because too often you go to explain something to someone and you just start rambling. And I know I'm not alone. Like you just start rambling and you've turned what should be a simple, simple thing into this big, long, confusing mess. And then it takes longer because the person didn't understand mm-hmm. what you were saying. Yeah. Well, it's coming from your position as team leader. And you look, you have a podcast. You like to teach classes in the office to newer agents. Um, you enjoy doing those things. So when I know that when somebody asks Catherine a question, she doesn't not going to just give you the answer. <laughs> Catherine's going to explain why that's the answer. And all of the rest of the stuff. So I can see how you can get caught up in that. Somebody says, hey, what about this? And all of a sudden you're giving them five examples of how this is why and everything else. And it's like, I just wanted to know what the X was. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's it's really like, I mean, before you even really get into the book, you have a clear understanding if you're, if you're really, and this is what I'm saying, when I first read that, I didn't take anything from that. Like, I know I've got some highlights, but like, it's very crystal clear to me that what he's saying is that to make your business a success is to make it simple mm-hmm. and to think big, have big goals, but to keep everything really simple along the way. Um, yeah. And- Cause if you're just starting out and you're making, and you're doing, for example, I'm using this as an example, uh, folder within folder within folder within folder within folder within year within or within month within year within decade and you've got it's like you're already making it so confusing and so many steps that you've got nowhere to go <laughs> right so Catherine as she adds more team members and the team gets bigger and if you've already got all of your systems are complicated and all of the steps, there's lots and lots of steps in there. Things are going to get, the ball's going to get dropped and everything's going to be a mess, right? Because yeah. things will get left out and people will be like, well, we don't really use that, but we're supposed to do it and all of those things. And then and then you all of a sudden Catherine comes in to audit and everything's a disaster because yeah. it was too confusing. It was too many steps and people didn't know what to do. And look, when you hire somebody new, I said this before, um, they don't know what how to prioritize things in importance. So everything is important and nothing is important all at the same time. You're kind of leaving it up to them. So you have to make it as simple as possible. Here, Here's the other thing that I realize now, and I, I don't think a lot of people talk about this, but when you go to make your first hires, you know, uh, if you go and take classes on hiring and recruiting talent and we talk about talent and the reality is that when you're ready to make your first hire or even second third fourth you are probably going to be hiring someone no I should say you will yeah 
be hiring someone with less experience than you. It is very highly unlikely. I'm not saying it can't be done. Don't misunderstand. But it's very highly unlikely that you will have the um, budget to hire somebody who actually has experience and talent in a role and bring them in to suddenly change and transform your business. And that's kind of, I feel like, sort of a um, what's this idea when you go to classes that's not reality and somebody should do something about is that you're going to be hiring somebody and you do, I know they always say like when you hire your first admin and they'll, they'll build your systems. If they're talented, they'll build your systems. And maybe it's just because I like, um, I like that stuff myself, but I think that it's more just true to everybody. You better have something in place to give them to begin with, mm-hmm. or you will wake up one day and it will not be what you envisioned. Yeah, of course not. And I've had, I've heard people say that in classes before, like I woke up one day and like my business looked totally different and it's like, no, not necessarily for the worst, Mm -hmm. by the way, but it never really resonated with me. Like, well, why would you want that? Like, don't, if you have the vision, you have to have some tools and systems in place so that they can build upon that. And, and I, and I did, by the way, like I had my own like seller systems, buyer systems, all that stuff was all typed and outlined. But when you start hiring people, you really have to make sure that you're constantly checking and reviewing everything Mm -hmm. that it is what you imagine it to be. Because if it's not and you don't do something about it, this is where simple becomes overcomplicated. Yeah. And then how do you go, how do you go backwards and, and fine tune and streamline? I mean, you can, like we said, like you can, you can fix things. But they talk a lot about potential in in the first couple chapters of this book. Like you don't, nobody knows their ultimate potential. Like you can't possibly know. And most of us won't actually reach it. Like I probably won't reach my potential. <laughs> um, because sometimes I just don't have the energy. Now you're telling me that after we got married? <laughs> Are you kidding me? But like. You could, you can't possibly know what you can accomplish in your life. And so people put limits on those ideas of like, well, I probably can only do this instead of thinking really big and saying, well, I don't actually know. So I might as well put together the biggest plan I can Mm -hmm. and then shoot for that because then I'll probably at least exceed whatever my internal expectations were. Mm -hmm. Like I do look back and, okay, let me, let me digress for a moment. I have a tendency to think negatively even when it's a positive. Mm-hmm. Like if, okay, cool, we we were, you know. If your goal was 100 and you got 99, but your real goal was 80, you say, why didn't we get that one? Versus saying, <laughs> well, oh, we got, we, got, we got 19 more than what our actual goal was. So, so... <laughs> But I'm not alone, and I was actually listening to the One Thing podcast um, that just dropped. Is that what you call when a podcast? Mm, No. I mean, that's a new record. No, that's in the '90s. That that sounds. That sounds. Me, (laughs) ma. Stop using slang. (laughs) Okay. Well, whatever. It it was released. Released. That's better. Um, but it was. It's actually a a replay of an episode with a guy, and I don't remember his name. (laughs) It's not important. Um, who was talking about this this thing where high achievers and people who are driven, we should say, like people who are driven to succeed 
oftentimes are actually unhappy or think more negatively than they should because they're actually when they're when they're looking at their goals in their life and and what when they're looking at things and where they are they're always looking to the future and comparing where they are to where they want to be mm-hmm. instead of where they ever good enough. come come from okay but i'm not alone this is a whole thing sure there's a whole book about it that he wrote <laughs> yeah yeah it sounds like somebody's trying to justify <laughs> their worldview yeah but why did i bring this up <laughs> You don't know. I don't know. You have some master plan. Oh, you had you had said a word. Um, <laughs> started with a P. I said a word that started with a yeah, P. Yeah, it was out of the book. It was no. Yeah. Oh no. Okay. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. All right. We should cut this whole section. <laughs> we don't cut sections out. We already said that to everybody earlier. I, you, the point of what you're talking about is is. And we've mentioned it on the podcast before. Oh, potential. Right. <laughs> See, I was right. But in, I, I've said this on the podcast before is when you, if you're the type of person who um, looks, hits their goals, but then says, um, or comes close to hitting their goals, but then all they can do is look further down the road and everything is based, all your decision making and your uh, emotional whatever is all based around um, what I don't have because I haven't gotten that far yet. Yeah, we got this far, but we didn't get that far. And that's it. You have to look at how far you've come to give you the juice to be able to get to that next level. And I you agree. Have a, you have a hard time looking back down the mountain and seeing, wow, look, we're like, look how high we've gotten. Yeah. Right. Well, and I, you, all you're looking at is, well, look how far we have to go. Of course, yes. I know. I know that. It's a it's a um Okay, I'm going to say something super cliché, but it is a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Right? Like being driven to that future goal is what makes you get to the level that you're at. Yeah, of course. And so, and in a lot of people, that's just how their brains are wired. Mm-hmm. Like we're I'm wired to think about the future and not the past. Mm-hmm. Like what happened yesterday? I don't remember. Um all I care about is what's what's next. What's yeah. next? And how do we get there? And and so, anyways, the the point I'm bringing up that episode is it's it's good if you if that resonates with you, I'd recommend going and listening to that episode too because, um, you you have to put that in perspective. And so it, it just talks about it as a horizon line, and you've got to look backwards mm-hmm. sometimes. And I do, I remind myself yes. to do that. You always come out um, in a better place mentally when you do. Yeah. I just, um, you know, I think it goes back to potential. I know that we're capable of more. And so it's disappointing yeah. if if I feel like we don't get to where I want us to go. Mm-hmm. It's because, well, I know that the potential is there. Yeah, well, that's good. I mean, that's that's why you're a leader. That's that's why you're a team leader is because that you have to have that in order to lead the team to the next place. You can't just be like, yeah, I think we're good. Let's just hang out here for a while. Yeah. You know, so uh, that's, that's a good thing. Well, and so, so this, this idea of uh, think like a millionaire though, it all comes back to, you know, if you naturally think about the future, you probably naturally set bigger goals because that's just who you are. But um, some people aren't like that. Some people just don't process their brain doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm. So you really have to stretch yourself 
and think bigger than you thought possible because you don't really know what your potential is. Right. And so if you say, well, you know, like I, every new agent that I ever have met has said they want to make $100,000 in their first year. Yeah. And actually, that's a good, has it, that's a big goal. Has that has it ever been different? All of the however many agents you've interviewed over the years, and that's always a question that you ask every single one of them, has anyone ever said anything? Mm. I think I feel like there was somebody once who was like, who was like a million dollars or said something like crazy high. I, I, but, I did. It wasn't a million. I think I did have somebody say 250,000 once, uh, but like, Hey, but most you, of the time it's a hundred. So, but do we look at them and we say, <laughs> all right, kid, <laughs> good luck with that. And in fact, that's actually, that's a great skill mm-hmm. to have, to be oh, able I do re- to I think, remember who that was now to, to be able yeah. to think big. Now, the problem is that you can't just think big. If that that would be the end of the book is like think big and you got it. Good night. It's it's on page one and there's three hundred pages after it. <laughs> like there's there's more to it than just thinking about it. Um, you have to actually go out and get into action. Right. If you're not thinking about it, that's what they're what you're doing is you're laying down a foundation, or what I like to say is that's the lens that you see everything through. Mm-hmm. Right. So if everything has the tinge of thinking big and setting high goals then when you start making decisions about sphere and touches and setting appointments and all that stuff and it's all through that lens then you have you you you're everything is cohesive versus okay think big okay that's its own compartmentalized idea now i'm gonna go do this no it's all through that lens of setting high goals. So we're going to do that across the board with everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, well, I'll tell you what, let's take a quick break and then you get back into it. Okay. Okay. All right. Let's take a break. The Think Look B team is an Orlando based real estate team with Keller Williams Realty at the parks. We operate as a boutique style company with the resources of the largest real estate company behind us. Think Look B is looking for talented people like you to join our team. If you happen to live in the Orlando area and you're a detail-oriented quick learner, then we might have a place for you. Whether you're a real estate agent or administrative professional, we are looking for individuals who are ready to work hard and ready for success. If you're ready to join the team, visit us at thinklivebee.com. And we're back. So we're talking about potential. Mm-hmm. And that, okay, I'm just going to say one more thing about that because it, what the reason that I always am a little bit more negative than I am positive is just the, the knowing, even though I don't know what my true 100% potential is, I know that I can do better. And my goal, I mean, it's the title of the podcast, which I forgot to say at the beginning, <laughs> seeking the best. That's like what I strive in every area of my life. Like I want to be better than I was yesterday always moving forward to be the best that we can be. And so when I feel like I haven't done that, it's frustrating. And that will never go away because I don't know what my full potential is. So I'll always be moving the goalpost and always be making the goal bigger. And But that's what drives you and allows us to have bigger and better things. And I don't mean things, I mean just, just life in general. Yeah. But... So in, in the book, they talk about like, you don't know your true potential. So why wouldn't you just go out and try and think big and set big goals? 
but everybody does have a natural ceiling of achievement. Meaning like if they just go out and and do and be themselves, like you're going to have as a sales agent, you have the ability to go out and just hustle. And like you're going to reach a natural ceiling of achievement where you feel like you just can't get over this hump. Mm-hmm. And for everybody, that's different. Like you might get to 24 sales and then be like, I can't, I can't seem to break through to this next level. What do I need? Who do I need? Like, how can I do that? It might be a hundred units. Everybody is different because everybody runs their business differently and just has a different. Um, yeah. What's like, important to you? Yeah. There's a million reasons why everybody's natural ceiling of achievement is different. But when you get there, the only way to break through is to figure out a, there's there's a different way. There's something that that you've got to do to break through. And they talk about. You mean like you can't break through by doing it the same way that you've been doing it. Right. You can't you've just. You've got to do something different. Right. It's like I used to say, like, you can't open house your way out of getting to the next level. Yeah. Yeah, unless you change something right. about you can't just the add, way you're add doing. more open houses, and that's going to somehow. Well, no, that's potential. well. But if you've ca- if you've you have maxed out the th- number of open houses that can be done, that's what I mean. And you, you're let's say let's use that as an example for a minute. Let's say you do an open house every Saturday and Sunday all year long, right? And just doing that gets you. 24 sales a year mm-hmm. and you can't seem to get more than 24 sales a year you just every year you're like oh I just add more open houses well you're gonna burn yourself out you really can't do more open houses like yeah you could do two on Saturday and two on Sunday but like you've maxed out that thing yeah you either have, you to, have to change something change something about what is being done there the structure yeah or add something else mm-hmm. that also generates business mm-hmm. So in in the book, they talk about models. In fact, there are four models to the Millionaire Real Estate Agent book. And they talk about like when you reach that natural ceiling of achievement, you would be smart to know that other people have come before you and to follow models of success. This is really important to me. Yeah. Tell me why. This concept. (laughs) It's really important to me because you the amount of effort and time it takes somebody to create their own model i'm just going to figure it out myself kind of attitude you're never going to do it as well because you don't have the experience that the people who came before you and created the models did so you're going to do it fail do it fail do it fail you're going to lose the most important thing that you have which is time you just take what other people have done and have learned and you apply it to what you've to your own business it's like i have done enough stuff whether it comes to design work where i am like god i do not have to know how to do this on photoshop i don't sit there all day and try to figure it out i go find somebody else who's done it watch a video and then apply it to what i'm doing yeah this that you have the access to things that 30 years ago nobody had access to Take, use that to your fullest ability. I know for a, for a fact that Catherine has all of these systems that we talk about that she has created videos upon videos to show her admins and agents how to do things. And 
if I had a dollar for every time Catherine said, I don't know why this person X doesn't know how to do this. I have videos showing them how to do it. Of course, nobody on the team now (laughs) that that it's it's just that it's why would you go and try to figure it out? I mean, and we've also had agents in the past who want to create their own marketing things and do all. It's like it's already done. It's already been done. Go find the people who have already done it and apply it. So whenever I hear that, it's just, I think it must come, I don't know if it comes from, uh, you don't know what you don't know, or it comes from a fear of, I don't, I I don't know. I don't know where it comes from because I've never been like that. I've always been like, oh, show me how to do it. That's, that's what, that's what I want. I want, I want to get there as quickly as possible and do it the right way. Well, this whole section talks a lot about that. Like you can only be creative and innovate and change when you have the basics, the foundational basics down. Yeah. Nobody learns is learning how to play guitar and says, I'm ready for my jazz solo. Yeah. You can only learn how to improvise once you are, once you are, uh, know everything inside out and backwards i'll say 100 percent. so um i there there's a line in here that i'll just read this it says um so many i'm gonna read just a little chunk okay the reality about using models is that if you begin with creativity and then try to add a model or if you try to add creativity to a model you haven't fully implemented you risk rendering the model completely ineffective yeah more than likely People will try to use creativity as a shortcut or a way to cover up for their lack of properly or fully implementing the model. Yes. So I can say 100% that I've made that mistake before. And so when you say, why do people do that and all that? It's it's like, let me give you an example. A script is just a model for how to have conversations with people. Yeah. Okay. How long though did I resist as a new agent? Like I resisted. I see it all. I see it every. Not with you, but with agents. But I did every, as a new agent. Yeah. I was like, mm, it doesn't sound like me. It doesn't sound like me. Everybody, everybody has said that. Yes. And now it took me time to realize. Well, that's stupid. Yes. Make it sound like you. Like it's like an actor getting lines on a play and going, "Well, I don't know. I don't think I would really say this." <laughs> it's like this is a. Make it sound like you. What well, do you, what do you well that's a little bit different because it's a character. But the point so, is. Yeah. So is being on the phone. Uh, well, but the point is like somebody else smarter and more experienced. Not, not necessarily smarter, but more experienced yeah. in that specific thing wrote that script. Because it works. And, and a lot of times the scripts, like using that as an example, these scripts are written with the language of sales, which, which is a study, a scientific form of how to talk to people to get them to take action they have written scripts with that in mind so to come in and say it's so like and I'm saying this from experience like how naive and stupid I was to think that I could somehow better convert without using a script and so once I finally realized like oh it's so much easier if I just follow what somebody else already wrote because they actually understand the language of sales. Yeah. How much easier it is to convert if I just do that. Mm-hmm. But then I'll, I still will, will bring in new people and they, they want to do the same thing. Yeah. They want to change it so that it sounds better like them. And so and you said, at some point in your career, you realize, 
this would just be easier if I would just read this word for word. Well, you said the script isn't a character or that's different because a script in a play is a character and this isn't a character. And I disagree entirely with that. It is absolutely those people that you're calling outside of your sphere. Let's leave that out for just a second. We'll get back to it. Okay. (laughs) Those people don't know you. What do you mean it doesn't sound like you? They don't know you. Of course it sounds like you. It sounds however you want it to sound. It's like you saying, it's not like you're from uh, New Jersey and there's a y'all in there and you can go and within your New Jersey accent, I can't say y'all. It's like, it's like, of course it sounds, you, nobody cares. Nobody knows you. No, just use the words, just say the words the way they are, they, the way they are. They were written like that for a reason. And you were saying the science of there's tie downs in there. There's uh, open-ended questions in there. There are things that you are, uh, that as a new agent, you can't possibly comprehend it all because you don't, you, you, and, and you're trying to write a jet, you're trying to write jazz. And it's like, you don't even know the, the basic concepts yet. You don't know the basic chords and stuff. And when it comes to, like I said, we get back to the to the sphere stuff. You can easily, if you think, if you're new at this and you think, well, this doesn't really sound like me. Look, when you call your buddy Joe and go, hey, Joe, I'm. you read the script, which says that you just joined a team or that you just changed your career in real estate or whatever it happens to say. And you go through the script and you you say every single word the way it's supposed to be. And you know what Joe's going to think? He's not going to go, well, he must have been reading that off a script. I'm not going to help that guy. It's like he's going to buy right into what you're saying the same way that anybody else would because it's got all those keywords in it. So it doesn't matter if it's sphere or if it's not. Just read the script. Just read it. And the more you read it, the more it sounds like you. Well, yeah. And so now sometimes when we do scripts and stuff, like I might say something a little bit different. But that's because I have 17 You're allowed years. to play jazz. I'm a- <laughs> You're allowed to play jazz because you know how to jump from one script to another script. Oh, that person said this. Then I'm going to say this script. And and you know how to do it because you've been doing it for 17 years. But when you're a newer agent and you've maybe never even called your sphere or, or called open house people, uh, you know, people who signed in at an open house, it's like, just follow the script. It will become second nature. You will be able to say, oh, when they say this, I say this. When they say this, then I say this. Scripts really are um, a model for if this, then that. If they say this, then I say that. If they say this, then I say that. And, and, and it's, can you, how fast can you do it? And if you can do it and jump from script to script like that, once you get to that level, then you get to improvise. But until you get to that level, and that those words are coming out of you like like so simply and and you're and you and then you get to see like then you start using them and it's this sounds bad but it's it's not you get to kind of manipulate the conversation because you know when you say this they're going to say this because you've heard it a thousand times they always say this and then i know exactly what to say next it becomes this cool game that you get to win because you know how the conversation is going to go before they do and stuff. It's like that's what you're trying to get at. So when I hear somebody who's had their license for four months go, this doesn't sound like me. And they all say it. This doesn't sound like me. It's like, you know, you got to use your script and say, which says, just read it the way it's printed on the page. <laughs> well, we've gotten off track here, but that was know, just, I'm it was sorry. just an example. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry. But that's, that's, a, I, 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 I really like what scripts do. 
I like that that I like that concept and stuff. It makes it way easier. Well, and you so know when what you I hear people about... say, I don't want to do it the easy, smart way. I want to make my own way up of doing it. And well, it's like... I think back to that that whole first couple pages about simple. And we just we have a tendency to overcomplicate everything. That's a that's a good example. We have a model for how to co- have a conversation with somebody who's a lead that will lead to a higher success rate of conversion. And all we want to do naturally is like change it and make it our own instead of following the model that was put together from somebody who came before us. And so when you finally come to that realization that, wow, I should really follow models, then you can break through that natural ceiling of achievement. And then once you have those foundational models that work and you've seen them work, then you can get creative. Mm -hmm. Say, what if I tried it this way? Or I really like this part of it. Maybe I make this part a little bit bigger in my business. Yeah, but I think... I. I, I just, it's no matter how many times you say it, like it's almost like a little bit people have to experience it themselves. And so read this book and then work on the models, try to stick to them 100% and give it a couple years, right? Yeah. And then say, okay, what if we did this? Yeah, because well, I think we might've said in an episode a few weeks back, it's like, you're going to have to change it anyway. Once you start adding people, that's what Catherine's in the middle of right now, right? Once your your systems and your models and all of those things are all going, it's a living document, right? So you're going to add an assistant and things are going to change a little bit. Models are going to change because that person's doing things that you you don't have to do anymore. And then you add a transaction coordinator, and then you add a couple agents and an ISA and all of these things. It's oh, those models are going to shift and change. No, now we can make this um, the cold calling a thing because we have an ISA now. We didn't have it before, so now we're going to create a model for that and and a system for that and all of those things. But why just do that out of the blue? Like I'm going to go find people who are doing that at a high level. Oh, of course. And yeah. then I'm going to follow what they've done. What they've done, how they've done it. That's what the book is for. Yeah. Um I wanted to uh I I, I don't know what page this is on. Um I wanted to actually read a specific example, but I may not I may not be able to to find it. Um but I maybe I'll I'll read it next time. Okay. <laughs> Because you, I think you'll appreciate it. You like mountain analogies. I always use the mountain analogies. So you'll appreciate it. Um, but anyway, so uh, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of skipping over the myth understandings. Still read those if you're reading this book along with us. Um, still read those because it's just a good reminder that there's a lot of stuff we say to ourselves. It's just not true. And there's no reason to believe it. And yeah. we we tell ourselves over and over, I can't do it. I can't do it. And then... Well, then you never actually try. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't learn how to swim, right? So um, I'll just never get in the ocean or pool. Yeah, because I don't know how to swim, and I'm I, I'm not going to be able to. So we'll get. Yeah, I guess that's true then. <laughs> yeah. Um. So one of the things that this is a mountain analogy as well, but you definitely. When you when you start your career, there's a lot about thinking and learning, and you and what we said that a lot of this this fear creeps in that I don't know everything, I need to learn everything, 
And so you do need to pause and think about like, what do you want this career to look like? And he talks about that a little bit. Isn't that really hard for somebody starting off? Like it is like to even understand, like you're just so green and just don't know anything about what you're doing. And let's say you're not on a team. Like how hard is it to say, I want to do 27 sales this year because X, X and X, these are the reasons. It's like, I don't think new agents can even wrap their brain around the concept of setting goals. Yeah. But I think it's, if you read this section and um, in my book, it's, it, I'm going to say the page numbers because it's, a, um, if, if it's the same copy, it's page 68 and 69. And I really love this section because we talk about this stuff all the time. It's called work to learn before you work to earn. Mm. And so he's not specifically talking about like sit down and create like this big long business plan for your entire career when you're a new agent. It's just pausing to think big and understanding that um, you you aren't going to all of a sudden be earning these big income dollars. Not that you can't, like there's agents that do, but that you've got to um, you've got to learn first. So let me give you this little Are you talking example. about like a college analogy? Yes. So he says, have you ever thought about how many years medical students must hey. work as er- interns and residents before being allowed to practice their trade independently? Hmm. Besides going through four years of undergraduate studies and four years of medical schools, then practicing as an intern and then two years as a resident, it's staggering to think about, but the work to learn process for an average surgeon can last as long as 12 years. Mm-hmm. And medical students invest a lot of money and time before they can work to earn. And so the real estate agent, on the other hand. Right. You can get in the business, get a license and you can go get a listing the next day. Yeah. He says we tend to pay for our training on a credit card and expect to start earning income immediately. Yeah. And that's why we use that as a, we use the college metaphor for it. Yeah. So just, just that I think is more what he's talking about is like, you have to pause and understand that you do need to go learn how to do these things. Yes. You have to read this book, learn the models, practice them, practice them, practice them, and then you will begin to earn the income. And too many people kind of come in to their career as a second career, like mm. it, our real estate industry. A lot of it is. I'm not. I yeah. came right out of college, got my real estate license. But a lot of people, this is a second career and they need money immediately. Yeah. And they don't understand how important it is. Yeah to study so that you're treating this like a business and following business models from the very beginning. Yeah. So that I think is a lot of what that's all about. Um, but yeah, so the, I'm, I'm not sure how much time we have. So I'm like, <laughs> um, wait, Pat's throwing me signals. Um, <laughs> I'm not good with signals. I get, I get it. I get it. Um, so I'm going to try and wrap this up thinking like, Thinking a million is all about understanding that you have unlimited potential in this business. It's such a cool industry that you can really come in and make it whatever you want it to be if you treat it like a business. But that means from the very beginning, thinking big, studying business models, and really learning how to operate a business with simplicity. I think that's that's like what's coming back to me as mm-hmm. I as I understand this book and read it the for the millionth time is like, yes, I'm going to build all these models, but I have to make sure that they're 
that they're simple. They are simple, mm-hmm. but are you making them overcomplicated? Well, I would say, and you know, everyone has a different goal. It's like our, Catherine's goal is different than what a lot of people who are listening in this goal is, which is just to be a single agent and maybe get some advice from the podcast and then go on with their day. Right. And it's like, if they do 20 sales this year, that's great. If they do 30, that's great. And that's all I ever want and, and, and stuff. And all I would say is that there's that. And then there's what, where Catherine is. And then what you were saying just a minute ago, I thought was kind of interesting about how it's a second career for a lot of people. The people who fail, who don't do it are the ones who don't treat it where they come in. It's their second career. They need money right away. This isn't happening. This isn't working. That's it. I'm out. And then there's the other people who maybe had their own um, like car lot or ran some other sort of business at a high level. And a lot of times when you see those massive groups and teams of people, and they're like, that guy's only been in the business for five years. How does he have a team of 40 people? It's because his goal was never to be a realtor. His gay, his his goal was to own a real estate team. Yeah. And, and so he came in and treated it like, ran it like his car business, understands the way business works, followed the models and went through the steps and never got caught up in the day-to-day minutia of being a real estate agent. Let me say something on that note, because um, like you said, there there's nothing wrong with whatever your goals are. You don't have to be a team yeah. owner. And at the same time, you should still treat your real estate career as a business from the very beginning because I, I was just saying that there's different types of businesses that you can be treating it as. Yeah. Not everything is grow it into a team. No, I know, but I'm, I'm getting on a different track here, but I think it's really important. I see so many posts of on, on Facebook groups where people are like complaining about their client or customer and they'll post like pictures of text messages that like their client fired them and you know they're upset and they feel like how could they blah 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 and I'll read some of these things sometimes and I'm I'm like well this seems super unprofessional so no wonder they felt it was okay to verbally abuse you that way yeah <laughs> because you're treating it like it's not being treated like a business and it brings the whole industry down a little bit of a level mm-hmm. when we treat it like I'm oh yeah let me just go open the door and I'll bring my kids along I'm not trying to put judgment on people, um, but I think that yeah. all of that exists when you when you're when you're treated like that by clients. You've set that up. There is there is a reason Catherine for that. Doesn't, Catherine doesn't get treated like that ever. No, none of that stuff ever happens. She sets expectations. This is a profession, right? It's like that's kind of the goal. You have to set those expectations. You got to tell them the way this is going to go, and then it goes that way. Well, and we'll talk actually. So just if, if you're reading the book along with us, um, that I basically kind of went through the first couple um, sections to page like 70. And then next time we're going to talk about the ways that a millionaire real estate agent thinks. And there's nine ways they kind of categorize after interviewing hundreds and hundreds of agents they categorize nine ways that millionaire real estate agents think. Mm-hmm. This is the foundation for how you should think when you're planning your your business, right? And one of nope. two, well, no, I'm just going to say two of the things are standards and service. Mm-hmm. 
this is a business. I'm going to have standards and I'm going to provide service. And I'm going to have standards for that service. And that's what, if, right. if you're thinking that way, that's what creates a business professional environment. Right. And so when those things, those things that don't fall in, like those text messages that you're talking about happen, it's because you didn't follow those things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you've created an environment where the client thinks yeah. of you as a uh, friend or this casual person who's helping them with this and they don't, they don't have respect for our industry. And I think that a lot of it is because everybody's just out there winging it instead of following a business model, just like every other business profession does. Yes. So that's that true. you can make a profit so that you can fund your life. Yeah. That's what a business does. I, 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 and that was a bit of a you're, rant. You're preaching to the choir here. Catherine's much nicer about all of this than I am. <laughs> well, you know, I try to be nice. Ladies and gentlemen, the question you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Questions from the web. Today's question, I'm newly licensed and I work under two high producing seasoned agents. I've been shadowing them on showings, but they want me to take the lead and see how I do before I take out clients on my own. It's intimidating because they know so much. I know I'm not expected to have the same knowledge, but I don't want to freeze up or say the wrong things or sound uneducated. It's all about confidence, I know. I'm eager to be out on my own and have that level of trust with them and with myself. Any ad- ad- advice on how to handle this? Um, yes. Okay, so um, you're never going to know everything. You're just never going to. Things change in this industry constantly. You're, you're just never going to know the answer to every question. And sometimes people ask the most absurd questions. And one of the things I've always coached agents that I've worked with is that you let them know you're going to find the answer because they'll ask questions that you could not possibly know, like in the moment, like I'm showing a house and they're like, what's the age of the water heater? And it's like, well, I don't own this house. So they're not really necessarily expecting you to know that answer off the top of your head. What Mm -hmm. they want to know is the, they want you to be able to provide that answer. So you need to be able to have the resources to say, let me get that answer for you. I was just going to say, there's two things that you have to do. One is have your notes app opened when you go in, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Have your MLS pulled up, but that's not even that big of a deal. Have your notes app open. When they ask you a question you don't know the answer to, you you say, something very very simple i'll find out for you yeah and it's then really you, that simple. And, then, and then you type it in your notes app and then you go find it out for them so i always have and I, I think i've said this before on the podcast but it's in one of our hundreds of episodes whenever i'm showing a property i have a couple things open on my phone or tablet whatever i have with me um it's going to be the multiple listing service open to the property because then I can get to sometimes the answers that they're looking for. Or in the notes. Right? Or in the notes or in the disclosure that's maybe attached with the listing. So if they say, how old is the roof? I may be able to get that answer right there. And I'll let them know, like, okay, I've got my, I've got the MLS information pulled up here. If you have any questions, I'll, that's what I'm doing. So that they know I'm not just like on my phone texting with other people. And then I'll also have open like the county or city permit site. So if they ask a question and it's not in one of those things, that's another resource I can go to to see if I can find the answer for them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll ask questions that like just I don't know. 
Like, hey, do you think this is a load-bearing wall? I don't know. Right. I am not a contractor. So I would just simply say, well, I, I'm not sure. And what we could do is we could get a contractor in here to take a look and see, what are you thinking? You know, and like get back to what, why do we need that, that answer? Right. Is that something that's going to hold them back from right. doing that? Because the kitchen's way too small for us. All right, then. So I, the other day I was showing a property and there was a, a loud squeaking sound on the upstairs floor. <laughs> What's that squeaking sound? Well, yeah. <laughs> it reminds in- me of Christmas vacation. <laughs> <laughs> What's that loud? Um, and but I don't know the answer to that. And honest, like one hundred percent, they didn't expect me to. But this, you still say it out loud, yeah, right? Yeah. And so what I have to do is, as a professional, tell them how they're going to get the answer to that. Should they choose to make an offer? And so I give them the answer. And and honestly, in that situation, I don't think an inspector is going to know either because they can't see inside the walls. So I'm going to say like, well. That is definitely um, a loud squeaking sound, and I would think an engineer would probably be able to hear that and give you some ideas of what's going on there and what it would cost to remedy um, or if it's anything serious to worry about. And we could certainly cover that during the due diligence period. That is giving them the answer to how to solve that question or problem without me actually knowing the answer. So you just, again, and and I was was trying to look up a quote because there's some quote about like what is being a professional it's knowing when I don't know the answer and I need to find somebody else like find out the person to get the answer right like don't wing it don't guess just be the resource to answer their questions right it doesn't have to be right that minute right once you come up with once once you come to that realization then that should take the pressure off of you of being nervous you know, you're going to be nervous. That's just part of it. It's like you're going to be nervous for a long time. It's going to be years. You're going to feel like, oh, I don't know the answer to this. And then one day you're going to wake up and you're going to go, I know more than everybody else around me. That's going to happen. Right? And, and if your team owners and, and whoever is shadowing you, if they. They know that too. Yeah. They, they will know yeah. that like what you should be saying if you don't know the answer is. I'll find out. If you Let me tr- write if you, that down. I'll find that out right. and I'll email they, that to you if later. If they see you winging it and BSing and try, and looking and and making stuff up and everything so that it looks like you have answers, guessing and stuff, that's what they're going to see. It's like they know. Yeah. Just like a coach does with they can see talent and stuff. They that that needs to be uh that needs to be molded and stuff. They don't expect you to know everything. They know you don't. Right. So they're looking for somebody who's honest and and keeps their composure and and says the right thing. Mm -hmm. Small win. win. Catherine, you got a small win this week. Oh, a small win. Probably just we went to Savannah on our little mini. Oh, yeah, we did do that. I forgot about that. It just happened. I know. Um, we went to Savannah and had a nice time. And mm-hmm. I feel like, again, the small win is just that, you know, I've got a team that was able to fully cover for me while I was away. And that is actually a huge win, yeah. um, being able to to really turn off. It, it allows me to come back, like, refreshed and motivated. In quotes. Why is that in quotes? Yeah. I know. didn't do in quotes. No, I did <laughs> refreshed what's your small motivated you did some laundry 
I did do laundry. <laughs> but no, um, I you know, it's kind of close to that. I cleaned off my desktop. Oh, yeah, you did. Which, you know, it's like quite a lot of files on there. I had um, about, what was that, maybe six months ago that I my iMac crapped out on me. Was it that long? Maybe a little bit more than that. So um, I got this new computer and um, everything kind of got transferred onto my desktop that was on my old computer and then planning for a wedding started and rental properties and everything that it just save it to this save it to the desktop and it was like there were a thousand files on there so i, I could, wish i could do that I clean off now there's about 50 files on there so i still have well a he bunch did that in an hour that would take me yeah weeks. you know why because i just threw everything away well. i'm like uh, what i do mentally when i'm when i save stuff i'm like if it's important it gets saved to the drive in which it needs to be mm-hmm, whether it's mm-hmm. design or whatever if it's not important i just save it to the desktop Whatever. then i can go through and i can erase i know that the important stuff isn't on there but i still go through and look at everything and everything but i don't have to go and put all that stuff in files it either gets thrown away or it's the 50 files that are left on the desktop because i didn't know where to eventually those will go somewhere else Hey guys, remember to rate and view us on iTunes. It really helps new listeners to find us. Send your questions from the web to onseekingthebest at gmail.com. All info is in the show notes, including how to send us a voicemail. And for Kat and myself, thanks for listening, and we'll figure this all out next week. Bye. This has been a Think Live Be production.